ready? back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. It's the silly season, so Merry Christmas, everyone, and a big Merry Christmas to our sponsor, Wild Earth Australia. Now it's holiday time, and it's the time of year for camping and adventure. And if you want to get a great Christy present for someone or have camping or adventures planned this silly season, go to wildearth.com.au, put in the discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters, receive 10% off. Wild Earth have everything for your adventure needs, running, camping, climbing, kayaking, all the safety gear you need to keep you guys safe on your next adventure. Now, guys, we mentioned on the last episode having a Patreon account or a donation account. Now, I put it to you guys. I had a lot of people hit me up about doing a Patreon account. So we're going to think about doing that right now. It's just more work on the computer. So I haven't really got there yet, but I think that's where we're going to go. We did set up a donation button on the website. If anyone did want to donate, the money is just going to go to a marketing campaign that's going to help push Diaries of the Wild Ones out to more people so it can continue to motivate people to get outdoors. Now, this episode that you're about to hear is with Tara Romes. Now, we had her on for episode 24, Walking Around Australia. This is the woman that walked around Australia for four and a half years to raise awareness for mental health. Go back and listen to that podcast because it was absolutely amazing. Tara is just such an amazing woman, and I just relate to her so much. Now, Tara just signed with Wild Earth Australia as an ambassador, so I'm so stoked with her. And Wild Earth has just hooked her up for a next expedition with a Garmin InReach Mini Sat device. Now, what you're going to hear from this episode we're about to do is that Tara come unstuck. Now, this woman, this is a crazy episode. She came unstuck out in the wilderness. Even though she was well prepared, it can happen to anyone. So, I want you guys to listen to this and, and take lessons from this episode and, and just just make sure when you do go out into the wilderness that you are well well prepared, that you do have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And if you do need any, any extra safety gear, go to wildearth.com.au and grab an in-reach device or grab those things for your safety kit that, that are going to help you out there. But I think this episode, I think I'm just going to let it go into it because it is amazing. So just enjoy. But Tara, I am so happy to have you back. And as we just, like we've just been talking about, the last podcast that we did um, was so amazing and I had so much feedback and had so much wonderful feedback. And what was so nice is you being an adventure woman, for me to be able to see like as an outsider looking looking at pretty much looking at the domino effect that it has when we put out these stories it's like this simple conversation we have but how many people it inspires and like that's what trips me out we've talked about it before but it's just like we had this simple conversation and i was just telling you that i pressed send on it and sent it out into the podcast world literally like two minutes before i lost reception when i was in tonga setting sail and i had all this anxiety not knowing if it went to air if it worked or not and i came back I think three weeks I was without reception. I landed in New Zealand. We sailed into New Zealand and I was so happy to see that it worked and it was on Spotify fine and iTunes and everything. It was getting downloaded. Everything worked and it was so amazing to see all the comments and I was getting all these really nice comments. 
all from um Oh, from both sides, but I got all these comments from women just saying, like, it was so nice to hear your story and, like, how inspiring it was. You know what I mean? I think that's so important to um, to have these strong women because there's so many strong adventure women's, but there's, uh, women, but there's not too much of a platform for them. And it's like we kind of I – feel, I feel there's a big gap in society right now where it needs to be filled so that young women today have these inspirations, these people to inspire them like, like you're doing to show these young women that like maybe showing their butt on Instagram is not, is not going to be fulfilling. You know what I mean? It's like to give people like you platforms and be like, Hey, look at how cool this, this lady's living her life. You know, no one wants to see my butt on Instagram. <laughs> but people love watching my adventures as yeah. I'm climbing over the mountains and wandering through the wilderness. Yeah. And how does that feel like how does that feel for you knowing that like you're just out there doing this stuff for you? Yet it's just like other people are like, "Hey oh, man, that's cool." Like validating that. It was really strange. Uh so I've been adventuring for over 30 years now, just out there by myself mostly in the mountains, on, along the coastlines, uh, at sea as well. And uh, I I didn't even think uh, about who was watching, who it was inspiring until I started walking around Australia. Yeah. And I, people started writing to me, emails, I get phone calls from complete strangers saying, I love what you're doing. Can I do that too? Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> you can do anything you dream. And you just have to you, you have to design a life around the dreams that you want to live, the lifestyle that you want to live. Yeah. And we also have these platforms now um, for information to go out there and, and share. There's like such a sharing platform. And like you've done so many podcasts and interviews and like everything that you've done has been, is, is getting recognized and validated. And, and what I've, that's what I found about me, right? It's like I left Australia for a world trip when I was 20 and I'm 33 now. And I went around the world for a year and a half backpacking and I got home and I just went, fuck it, I'm going again. You know what I mean? And I just haven't stopped, right? And as social media started, I never played the game, I never did it. And then it eventuated to me and a couple of mates bought a yacht together. We're living in Indonesia, bought a yacht, started sailing. We started sailing around Asia, right? And I remember um, we picked up these hitchhikers from Switzerland. They were at a surf camp and then they had another week left on their trip. And it turned out one of the guys was a marketing manager for Red Bull. And he left and goes back to Switzerland. And we get this email saying, hey, um, we love what you're doing and everything. Can you guys do some filming? Just film whatever you're doing and send it to us. We'll edit it up. We want to put it, put it out as websites. And I just remember the first day, all of us like, oh, my. I remember that boat that night on the boat. We're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it was getting validation. We're like, oh, my God, we're going to be on Red Bull. We're like, we're going to do these websites. They offered us six websites. To, to like make these like little thing, clippets of us surfing and spearing and sailing around Indonesia, you know, these three young guys that had no idea. And we're like, oh my God, I remember the first day we're at Macaroni's in, in the Mantawais in Sumatra. I think it was Macaroni. Yeah, we're at Macaroni's. And I remember it was firing, the surf was firing. And we're like, all right, I remember that night we're talking about it. All right, we'll do film, we'll do half an hour blocks, blah, blah. Um, we do, yeah, we'll surf in half an hour block, so we, you know, and then we'll switch over. Someone will sit in the dinghy film, and then you switch over. I remember that morning we get there and it's firing, but the tide's coming up. It's going to get high. It's not going to be as good. And we paper scissors rock, and I remember I, I win. I'm like, yeah, I'm jumping in the water. You got to film. And my other mate's like, he wins, so he gets. To, and, and the third mate's like, 
I'm not sitting in the dinghy. Like, I'm not, wait, it's pumping now. I'm going to surf now. I'm like, man, you've got to. He's like, no, nah, okay, how about this? We'll, I'll surf now for half an hour, and then we'll start it again, and then we'll do another rock off, and then let's just surf it while it's pumping, and then we'll start filming. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we start doing it, and then it's just like, no, nah, I'm not going to film, not going to film. I'm not getting out of the water. And then no one does. And so the next day we're like, no, nah, guys, like, come on, we've got this opportunity here. Let's do it. And we all end up in this big argument of who's going to film. And like, no, nah, you've got to go first, and I don't want to miss out. And, like, <laughs> it just never happened, right? And I was just like, yeah, well, actually, you know what? It isn't for us anyway, whatever. And then as, like, it was just so weird. So I started the podcast, and... It was like suddenly people were like, oh, this guy like does adventures. Like, or he goes and does what he wants and he's just started doing it or something. And I was just like, I just remember thinking like, how weird is that? That like, now you have this platform. Like I haven't changed. I haven't just suddenly started doing something. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just now I just share it. Yeah. And I just find that so weird. Like that you did, like I did it for so long. I've been living like this for so long. And now the only thing different I'm doing is sharing it. And it just has this impact. I think it's a, a new phase that you go into. Yeah. And when other people real, realise what you're doing, recognise what you're doing and mm. would love a taste of that themselves. Yeah. Well, when you like what you're doing, you want to share it with people. And then, like, not only that, it's like when you like what you're doing, you want to find other people that also like it. And how do you find those people? By showing people what you're doing yeah. or talking to people about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, not everyone's going to want to do what you want to do, but it's just like the world of... Okay, this podcast has been like... I just spent a month on a boat. I just did a... Like, I've just been doing like free trip after free trip because people were just like, oh, this dude wants to go do something cool. Like, you want to come with us? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I, they know I'm going to say yes. So they invite <laughs> me and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just like networking. It's just... I'm so thankful right now with how the world's working. And it's like, you, like, you're just still doing it. You're just still doing these adventures, man. I won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever, okay, do you ever wonder, people ask me, they're like, okay, when are you going to, when, when are you going to settle down? Like, I, you know, I'm building a house. I'm, I want to have kids one day. I want to have a family. But I'm not going to stop. You know what I mean? It's just like, my... Okay, if you had to put it into a structured life, and I would say, okay, pick a structure, and this is your structure you're going to live by. I would go, okay, I'll be at home for four months of the year, I'll travel eight. <laughs> or like, all right, oh, I'll be home for six, I'll travel six. That's, you know, can we settle on that, you know? And it's just like, I don't see that anything would have to stop you or hold you back. Like, if you want to go do something, you know what I mean? I can't speak from experience with the settling down and the love and the family stuff, but I know a lot of friends that do still travel and explore the world and follow their dreams with young families. Yeah. You know what a common thing I just found with sailing, people sailing? We're in Minerva Reef, which is an atoll in between Tonga and New Zealand, and it's a safe haven. It's just this reef that pops up. And so yachts kind of gun it for their, like, to break up their passage to get to New Zealand or Australia. And one night we were in there and there was 20 boats in there, you know, on the crowded. Yeah, it was crowded. <laughs> like we're, there was only one at first and then, you know, cause people saw the same weather window we did, you know what I mean? It's so weird in the middle of the ocean, but I remember over in this corner of the bay was seven boats that are all anchored up in the corner and there's just kids playing everywhere. And we went over there because we were trading tuna cause like we had caught all this tuna and we're just trading it for supplies from other boats. And it was all these families that are just sailing around the world. 
There was seven boats in there, right? There was one third of the boats that were in there were families with kids, you know? And they were just like, yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. They were homeschooling their kids from the boat and just sailing around the world. And their kids were having so much fun. And I was just thinking, wow, like what a growing experience for these children. Imagine growing up doing that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so Tara, we're here because everyone loves you and everyone loves what you do and everyone loves hearing about your adventures and everything you're doing. Now, when I left you last time with the podcast that we did, you left me pulling out my own hair with this hair-raising story. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that on mic? Oh, my God. And it is a big story and it's a wild story. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't wait for the listeners to hear this one. And so um, we've organized to meet up and it's just kind of worked out timing-wise. You're up in Northern Rivers right now. I'm up in Northern Rivers and we've just met, met in Byron Bay. And... I'm here to ask you to tell me this story, and I just can't wait. <laughs> well, um, I moved down to the mountains uh, about uh, in '88, which kind of puts an age on me. <laughs> so the ma- mountains in Australia, so yeah, there's Kuskosko, Kos- 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 yeah, Kuskosko National <laughs> Park. <laughs> that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> it's Polish. Really? Uh, we we call it Kosciuszko uh, National really? Park. Yeah. So we moved down there as a family. Uh, I was 16. It was in '88. So Kosciuszko National Park was my backyard, literally my backyard. That's where I grew up exploring, adventuring. And uh, I was pretty confident with the mountains, um, all seasons. Um, I've walked the Australian Alpine walking track three times um, in spring and autumn. And uh, I've spent a lot of winters up there as well, including a few seasons camping up because I don't pay, I don't like to pay rent. It's too much, so yeah. I just put the tent up in the snow. So, would you say it's it's pretty easy to say then that like, obviously you got an adventure bone, but this is what shaped and moulded your adventurous spirit, like because you spent so much time, like when you were younger up in those mountains. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a big part of it. A big yeah. part of it. Um, actually. I think it was uh, a combination of my grandfather and uh, my geography teacher, John Sims. Uh, my grandfather taught me how to use a compass and helped me tap into my inner compass. Uh, so that's not just like my moral compass, but actually recognising, uh, n- knowing and sensing where north is yeah. in my environment. Uh, I can do that naturally without a compass, so long as I'm not in a city. <laughs> is, there, is that like an intuition thing or is it more like looking at the sun and using the angles and the shadows? Which is an intuition thing yeah. if you don't have to think about it. Oh, yeah. I suppose like if you just practice anything enough, it's like, yeah, you just kind of understand. Like you look at your, your watch and you're like, it's, it's weird. Sometimes I look at the watch and you just look at the hands and you know what time it is before you've actually like looked at it to see what the time is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I well, suppose you it's you like can just s- sense what the time is by yeah. where the sun is in the sky. Yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. It's about two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two each, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter when you're living an adventurous life. It's, no. It's but, like, oh, it's two, but I actually don't care. <laughs> yeah, but my, my grandfather, he, my grandpa, he discovered uh, that I just had this natural ability to point north. So we'd be out bushwalking, and he goes, where's north? And I go, that way, without wow. thinking about it. I was about eight or nine years old. And uh, so I think we all have that ability, but some of us have never had to use it. Um, but also, uh, yeah, my, my geography teacher, John Sims, uh, Minera High School, he taught me how to use a map, a map and compass. And uh, some of our school expeditions, um, 
went up into the mountains and uh, he taught us how to read the terrain, the environment, the weather um, and the geology, the wildlife. Uh, so that was instilled in me when I was in my teens and uh, it's just grown since then. But the mountains are now my spiritual home. It's not where I was born, but it's where I'm drawn back to. It's where you connected and ground yourself. Yeah, that's right. How amazing is this, right? Okay, so you, let's say so you go on a school expedition and you go into the mountains and you go and you have so much fun. You have so much fun with your friends and then you, you've literally had this realisation. You're like, I had so much fun doing that. And I'm still allowed to do it. I'm just going to keep doing it. And you've just done that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I've never grown up. <laughs> yeah. I remember my friend said to me yesterday, it's like you ride the roller coaster and you have so much fun and then you get off, enjoy the roller coaster you just had. And then my friend goes, why don't you just walk back up and go again? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, oh yeah. It's like, just keep having fun, you know? Oh, okay. So That's continue. Right. Yeah. So, so I learned how to very safely uh, navigate around the mountains um, and that I knew them like the back of my hand. I was up there wandering at every opportunity. Uh, and that's also where I started going out uh, on multi-day walks on my own in my late teens in the mountains. Uh, so it was very natural yeah. for me to do that. Uh, and very, the, the solitude in the mountains was also very natural because that's what I did every afternoon after school. I'd just go out wandering and running and through the mountains. nature. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm a, a rent avoider during winter when I work in the mountains I'll put my tent up somewhere in the mountains and I'll move every few weeks so that I'm not wearing that area and not frightening any of the wildlife well, why do you do that just because I, for me I'm a rent avoider well now I have a property but it's just like for me I'm just as comfortable living in my troopie and travelling around and having that freedom than paying rent somewhere it's like why would I pay rent when I'm more comfortable in here you know what I mean is that is that the same for you it's like why would you pay rent when you want to have that experience of camping and you like doing that and you can do that is that for you uh the reason why I tend not to I can't settle down I've tried stopping in places but after three months I I just get start feeling sick just itchy feet yeah um mental mentally I I need to keep moving uh, so if I stop for a while, it starts playing on my head and my heart and my body starts to suffer because of that, so I need to keep moving. Do you feel for you it's like because when you're moving, you're accomplishing something, you're seeing stuff, something new, you're changing your environment? Do you, do you feel like you're, do you feel like it's a problem? Like oh, that you no, can't it's not sit a still? problem. No, not at all. <laughs> well, because you, you, you use it to your advantage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm always exploring and finding new places, yeah. uh, new things to do, and that's who I am and what I do. That's my nature. Yeah. Um, I'm not able to fit into any other nature. Each of us has a niche to fill and a purpose to fulfill in our lives, and yeah. uh, my niche is a traveller. I'm a vagabond <sighs> and an explorer. You've, what you've done is you've understood who you are and you've allowed yourself to be that. Instead of fighting it. It took a while, though. I know. Oh, my God. It's, it's taken me a while because people are always telling me to settle. I remember my ex-girlfriend was just always like, can you just sit still? Just sit and relax. You don't have to go run. You don't have to go do, like, just sit and relax. I'm like, so I'd sit there. And teachers everywhere, my whole life is just like, just trying to, and I just feel like I sit there and I just start getting anxious and, and my legs start bouncing. I'm like, shit, I need to do something, <laughs> And it's not the fact of like having to accomplish it's just like i have so much energy and and when i started accepting that being like okay other people want me to stop but that's their thing it's like me it's like no nah, i've got this energy 
like and like understanding the energy that you have the understanding who you are as a person and you're like and then just make it work for you you know what i mean and then wow i'm having realizations as i talk to you <laughs> no but it does it's like Social, once, society has big expectations yeah for everybody and it doesn't fit everyone yeah but you live an amazing life and like and you've had your struggles that we talked about on the last podcast, and that's why you walked around Australia for four and a half years, which is amazing, and that's what you've inspired so many people through. But it's like, you live a happy, fulfilled life, but you do that because you allow yourself to be you. Exactly, and that's one of the realisations I came to while walking around Australia. Uh, I knew that I had to live this lifestyle, but I, at the same time, there's always just this discomfort that I'm doing the wrong thing that people are expecting something else of me that at some stage I will need to settle down somewhere and then I think I was about three or four thousand kilometers into the walk and I just suddenly realized no this is me this is my lifestyle it's okay and it doesn't matter what anybody else says this is perfectly okay to do this well I just I was working in in western Australia to save up to start a tree lopping company because I've got a skill where I can try and climb trees, right? And, and trim them up for people. And I was like, okay, that's what I've got to do. Society's telling me, okay, I've done my traveling. I need to settle down. And I'm having these nightmares every night, right? That I'm at school and I can't finish school. And I can never get anywhere. And I'm having this nightmare every night. And I'm just working and working and saving. And I'm trying to get out of my head like, no, I'm not going to travel. I have to go because I've got to start a business. And I've got to work like this. And I've got to do this. And I realized that every time I came back to the Gold Coast, I would get so anxious with this that I have to do something. Because that's where I was conditioned. That's where I grew up. That's where society told me, you have to fit into this certain model. And I would go back to the Gold Coast and friends of mine would be like... "Um, when are you going to get some responsibility, Aaron? When are you going to grow up? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I've got to, <laughs> got to grow up. I've got to, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to start a tree lopping business and I'm going to grow up and like responsibility. And, and then I'd go away and, and stay in a different town. And I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to cruise. Like just have a good time, you know. And I was wondering, like I'm in WA and I'm having all these nightmares. I can't finish school. And I start contemplating, I'm like, why? So when I go to the Gold Coast, I have this same feeling that I'm having right now. But when I live in other towns or I'm overseas, I don't have that. I'm like wondering this. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, no, but I've got, I've got to start a business. I've got to do it. Head down, head down. And then I'm like, I just start getting burnout. And I go, oh, I'm going to go for a two-week holiday to Bali. So I get on a plane. I go to Bali. I'm sitting there and I go surfing. I'm hanging out with my mates, having a good time. And I go, why aren't I doing this? This is what I love doing. Why aren't I doing this? This is what I want to do. And I just remember I got, I got stuck on this thought for about a week and I flew home. And my girlfriend at the time was away at work. And I'm sitting there and I'm all anxious. And I'm like, why can't I just do what I want to do? And I was just like, actually, you know what? I can. I'm going to do that. And I booked an Around the World ticket then and there. And then I reserved another one. And I remember my ex-girlfriend got home and I said, Oi, I just booked an Around the World ticket. I'm going. I've reserved one for you. You can either come or not come, but I'm going. <laughs> and, she was, and she was a good sport. She was like, okay, I'll come. Brilliant. You know, and we, and we had another amazing trip. But it's just like, and since then, I've never had that anxiety and I've never had that dream. It literally stopped that day because I just accepted who I was. You know what I mean? And after that, it's just blossomed. And since that day, not only have I allowed myself, and you'd probably find this too, you start, everything just works out because you just start attracting everything to you. You know what I mean? It's like you start attracting what you want because you're doing what you want. 
it's an abundance of what you need and what you want, not necessarily an abundance that society would see as in riches and belongings, money. Um, we have a richness of adventure yeah. and the people around us. Yeah. Well, how do you measure, measure success? My happiness and well-being. Exactly. And see, you just said that to me like that's, not, that's the given. That is the given. You know what I mean? And for me, that is literally the given. And I wonder, and I get it because everyone's different, but I wonder why other people don't think that. It's like when I say to people, okay, so, you know, I'm trying to be successful. Okay, well, what is successful? Because right now you look miserable. You know what I mean? Like, nah, because I'm going to get a BMW. I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to start this business and I'm going to get this. And when I get on that big hill and I'm living on that house on the, on the hill, then I'm going to be successful. Maybe people then, don't realize that their comfort zone is not all that comfortable. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's just, well, yes, exactly. But it's like people say to me, like, you know, you can do that and then you'll be successful. I'm like, but I... I don't want to do that, man. <laughs> like It's like, I want to be happy. And if I'm happy, I'm fucking killing it, man. Because that's, for me, it's like, I'm, I feel I'm just here to have a good time. You know what I mean? That's what I enjoy. I enjoy, you enjoy, you enjoy being in nature. You enjoy, you enjoy loving, you enjoy laughing, you enjoy being happy. You know what I mean? So if you're doing that, you're successful because that's, you've got everything. But I've also found a purpose. Which links in with my passion, you know, yeah. Which is the environment, and um, and, and people, humanity. Uh, so I use wow. what I do to serve a purpose as a service to our earth. Yeah. So I give back to Earth, and I give back to the communities that support me. And that's why you put terrarooms.earth terra for your website. That's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and having a purpose is so meaningful as well. I can still do what I love, but I can also help other people and I can yeah. help the planet at the same time. Well, I think, I feel, I feel like you've still got to have a purpose. Like you can't, you can't just go to and live in Indonesia. I found that I, I can't just go live in Indonesia and just sit there and surf. I, I've done that for months and, and years actually on end and I love it. But you still got to have a certain level of challenge, right? Because you have to have, it's like in order to grow, in order to like, it's like, you need fulfillment, right? And you don't get fulfilled in life if it's too easy. If you just get given it, you don't get fulfillment, right? But if you've got to work for it, if you challenge yourself, it's like the beauty in challenging yourself, the beauty in growing, you know what I mean? And then you, that's how you actually grow because you, you challenge yourself, you have purpose, you have fulfillment because then when you've completed that, you have achievement, right? So it isn't just sitting there and like just wishing away life and blah, blah. It's like literally allowing yourself to do what you want to do. And by doing that, it's fulfilling, you know what I mean? I want to learn how to fix this. So it's, that's, I've got to learn something now. That's hard. That's a challenge. But I'm going to be rewarded in the end. And when I do that, I'm going to have this sense of accomplishment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do that. So instead of like going and working in, for someone at a job that I hate, maybe I'm going to go work for someone that I like and something that I want to do because I'm going to have fulfillment doing it and enjoy doing it. And it's a challenge. It's going to be hard. I'm going to you know, have to do hours sometimes that I don't want, but it's going to be fulfilling. That's why you do it. You know? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Like camping on the snow. Let's get it, back to that. It, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's challenging. It can yeah. be dangerous sometimes, but it's very rewarding. It's such a beautiful environment up there. Yeah. Okay. So we just had such a nice tangent. That's, 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 that's the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> so you're camping. 
up in the mountains and you're, you're re- avoiding rent. Oh, it's just too expensive in the mountains in winter. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there it? are other ways of getting around that. Yeah. <laughs> Share houses or just take your tent up into the mountains. And so what gear would you take if you're, like if you're camping and you're working, like because you're working as a guide, weren't you? Yes. So if, you guide. so if you're you're a guide and you're working and you're camping, like what do you need in your tent with you? Okay, so it was a pretty heavy kit because uh, it was my living space. It's my home. I took a lot of stuff up there. Um, a really good um, insulating sleeping mat, uh, which was a thermarest, and a brilliant expedition sleeping bag, which actually took up about a third of my backpack. I need. I do need to find a, a better sleeping system for the expedition next year. <laughs> Something yeah. lighter and more compact, but still is warm. But this was an expedition sleeping bag from Mont, and like minus like twenty minus, minus 40. twenty comfort. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And it was it was just right. Like I, I would climb into it at night. It would be like minus seventeen outside, blowing in the wind, and I'm like. <gasps> And I'm shuddering and shaking to sleep. And eventually my metabolism will kick in and it's warm. And it's just right all night until I have to climb out to go to the toilet at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, how is that? And then your, your core starts dropping. You've got to try to get warm yeah, again. Yeah, oh, it's pretty easy to get warm. Everything's warm inside the sleeping bag. Yeah. You just race back in, zip it up. and. <sighs> did, did other colleagues that you're working with, did they think you're just so wild that you're doing this? You're like, oh, I'm just I camping. I think or? some of them were a little bit jealous. They wished they could as well. Yeah. Um, but they there's a lot of other stuff as well. So uh, all my cooking equipment. Um, I had a little library in my tent. It was a four-season. It was a two-person four-season tent, so there was plenty of room in there. Uh, my snowshoes, my poles, a, a shovel, so I could level out my camping site and then build a wall and just keep the snow off it if so storms came over. Build a wall for like the. So you're on the leeward side of the wind, or you're on the windward. I I, I build the wall um, on the side where the predominant winds come through. So that's where the snow would come in. And the wall supposedly is... (laughs) Normally, if you build a good wall and it's not a blizzard, uh, (laughs) it it will stop the snow from building up on your tent and it won't bury you alive. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, sometimes... No matter how experienced an adventurer you are, how experienced you are in an environment, um, or like the mountains in winter, you still fuck up. <laughs> and I did, big time. <laughs> I, I, I'm extremely lucky to be here now, talking to you. Okay, oh my god. I'm just, you got me on edge. So let's, okay, so you're, you're in the mountains, you're doing the snow seasons, you camp out, so you don't pay rent. So where do you actually go in the mountain to put your tent up? Are you just going anywhere in the mountain? Because you're changing every every few weeks. Mm-hmm. Most people go to free camping areas. Yeah. Uh, so there are a few in the mountains around Parish or Throbo. Uh, yeah. You don't have to pay anything. And you just move every few weeks. Uh, yeah. So you're not like wearing that site down. Uh, so if you have a tent on the ground, the, snow, the, the grass under your tent will go yellow and die if you don't keep moving your tent to a new patch. Yeah. So it's your responsibility to practice leave no trace and move your tent every now and then yeah um to look after the environment around you but that's if you're below the snow line if you're above the snow line you can camp anywhere that's safe and sensible and move every couple of weeks and you have the experience uh by being a guide there to kind of like you know understand where safe is and everything yeah. there are a few mm-hmm. rules in place like the national parks one you, you don't camp in a catchment near a lake or on the summit 
Yeah. Uh, but there are other things you can do around the place. Yeah, over time you learn what's a good campsite, what's a not, what is not a good campsite, uh, where the predominant winds are coming from, uh, trees and rocks that will protect you from the wind, yeah. um, and uh, how to pitch your tent, how, how to put your snow pegs in wet snow so they stay in and don't keep flipping out during a wind. How do you do that? Uh, dead man pegging. <gasps> So instead of putting the peg straight yeah. down, you put it in a cross and yeah. then pile the snow on top of on that. On top of it, yeah. Yeah. So would you literally finish work and then have to go for a hike? Yeah. You'd have to hike all the way back up. Best way to start the day and end it. End it. Yeah, because yeah, with nature. If the weather's all right. <laughs> so so what what happened? Because so you're doing this Two months for so in. long. Yeah. And then, and then something's come unstuck here. <laughs> this is where my arrogance came in. <laughs> Um, there were forecasts for a storm to come through and it's like, oh, I've camped seasons up here before I can handle the storm. That's fine. And people were sending me messages. Are you going to be okay? I hope you're not on the mountain tonight. Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a storm. I've, I've ridden through blizzards before. Uh, so did, did you understand that this would be a, like a stronger than other blizzards no, that are coming in? It was just, it was just like you're I just getting it. told there's a blizzard coming in. Be careful. Maybe you shouldn't be up there. Get down. And you're just like, hey, I've, I've rode out blizzards. It'll be right. You know what? I was actually thinking it's just Australia's media is jealous of overseas with their big polar blasts and stuff like that. So they're actually making a big fuss about nothing. Um, I just assumed that uh, they were blowing it out of proportion and it wasn't going to be anywhere near as big as what they were saying it would be. Um, And I got cocky uh, and overconfident and stayed in it. Uh, So the weather came in and it was starting to blow up around 40, 50. So have you gone to bed? At this no, stage, or no. like, have you, have you, did you know that? So, you know, the weather's coming in. Have you like done any extra preparation for it or anything? Or you've just gone, no, it's fine. It's gone in. I built, I built the wall up around the side of the tent. Uh, and as the snow started falling, I'd build the wall up a bit more. And uh, then the wind started getting a little bit too strong. So, I would just go and hide in the tent. In, in the morning, the weather was really lovely. It was a perfect day, it, uh, it was calm. The sun was shining inside the tent. It was really warm. And then the weather came over around uh, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and just started building up and up and up and up. So there was about 25 kilometres an hour wind, 50 kilometre an hour wind, 80 kilometre an hour wind. And as the, as the wind built up, the blizzard came in. <laughs> I had picked out what I thought was the perfect campsite. It was behind a, a granite tor um, of beautiful big rocks, which protected me perfectly from the wind. And if the wind dipped around a little bit south and some snow gums protected me from the wind, what I didn't realise was there's a, an effect with the blizzard sweeping around the back of the granite tors and dumping Oh, yeah, because it's in creating, the leeward side. On the leeward side, yeah. because that's how how the the snow falls. It it slams against a mountain and then slows down and just falls on the other side. So in so all it was of doing my that experience, the there was that gap of knowledge. Oh. <laughs> and so, did you see this start to happen? Mm-hmm. It was too late. It was too wild, and I thought I'll bunker down and ride it out. 
So every four hours in the afternoon and through the night, I was out with my snow shovel. Uh, the, my snow wall was obliterated. Uh, Were you getting nervous by this stage? Like this, this weather's coming, like you're in a blizzard, man. Like, I was it's starting like, to wonder how long is this going to last? How yeah. long can I hold out? Will I have to pack everything up and go tomorrow? I thought, yeah, if it's still blowing like this at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, I'll head off the mountain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my wall was did, completely demolished by the wind. Did people know your exact location where yeah. you were camping? Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. People, I, I, family members and a few other friends um, and one person on the mountain knew exactly where I was camped. Yeah. Uh, so if anything did go wrong or I went disappearing, then they couldn't find my camp. So you kind of had like... you. You kind of had everything in place, so you thought, no matter what, you know, I've, I've checked, I've checked the boxes, I've ticked the boxes, it's okay. Yeah, because you've got all the confidence there. Cause yeah, you've done the because you've done the right thing. You've like you've used your experience. You've you've, you've calculated the risk, and you're like, yeah, this is fine. But yeah, That's, I was camped in the wrong spot, and yeah. I'd underestimated the intensity of the storm. Sometimes we get math wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, by about four o'clock in the afternoon, the, the, the wall around my tent was gone. And the, the blizzard was just dumping on my tent and it was building up. Every four hours, I had to go out and clear around and I'd try and clear about a metre out. Um, and then it started getting heavier and heavier and heavier and I was having to get out there more often and clear it and clear it and four o'clock in the morning I went out um, and I was out at midnight I was out at four o'clock in the morning and I was clearing it it built up so much that the tent was actually starting to be forced in it was, it was, the the tent walls were too flexible in the cold yeah. so it was just starting to put too much pressure in and the tent walls were coming in on me um, so I'd get out and just clear it away. Like and you just shovel it off with the snow. But every time yeah. you do this, is it just like, is there visibility? You, no. you just have a head torch and there's just, you're just getting blasted in yeah. the face by snow and yeah. just trying to shovel it out. Yeah. So just that in itself is such an extreme moment, like to be in, like yes. extreme situation. <laughs> I felt like an idiot. At four o'clock in the morning, I was up there going, ah, this is stupid. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to shovel, 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 shovel. I'm starting to do around the head first. Um, so that's where it was all building up the fastest yeah. um, around my head. And... Uh, I managed to get about halfway around the top of the tent and I realized I'm slowing down. I'm moving in slow motion. Why am I moving in slow motion? And then I started dumping the snow back on top of the tent. I'd shovel it and throw it back on top of the tent and it's like, where oh, am I? Oh no, you're getting, where oh am my God. I? I like, you're getting I don't delusional. Even know where I am. And the little alarm bells went off in my head. Hypothermia. And then I thought to myself, if you're at this stage and you realize that it's worse than you think. So I forced myself to climb back in the tent, back in my sleeping bag. Everything was wet. The tent was full of snow. Um, I was covered in snow. My sleeping bag was damp from the snow. But I managed to get warm enough to stop shuddering and I felt normal again. I managed to catch it before it got any worse oh that's lucky so you, did you have the shivers the under controllable shivers oh, like, yeah. that, but then you caught that you yeah, caught it that's <gasps> right i've had hypothermia and it's and you get delusional and you, yeah. you get uncontrollable shivers no matter what you do you just don't get warm yeah yeah so i was very lucky the sleeping bag was still warm even though i climbed in oh it cold God, and so um, and wet and covered in snow uh so that's a that's what a good sleeping bag does for you yeah uh, saves your life 
Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. six o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I can't hear a thing and it's complete silence like I seriously can't hear a thing there's no wind there's no birds there's no muffled noise nothing and I open my eyes and my tent is squeezed in around me (gasps) this is a two-person tent and I am in like a coffin in the snow (laughs) I'm completely covered so covered in snow that no sound, not even the sound of the wind on the snow outside the tent is getting through. And I panicked. I was like, okay, I'm going to be buried alive. I am being buried alive right now. Um, and I managed to clear, push enough space around me to get the sleeping bag out, to get out of my sleeping bag, to get the sleeping bag out from underneath the tent that's caught in underneath the snow um, and stuff it into a backpack I could find my snow shovel, but I couldn't find my snowshoes or my poles. Because they were Um, buried, like the side of the tent was buried. There was not enough room or time to get changed into extra layers of clothes. I just had my sleeping thermals and my my rain gear on. So uh, how much much room are you working in here, like one body length? Yeah. Like cavity (laughs) cavity for (laughs) one body? I could just wiggle around and that was it and just yank things out from underneath And when you're pushing against the side of the tent, which had snow on the other side, was it soft? Was it hard? Could you kind of like... It was soft until I put enough pressure on to make it hard. So it was all powder, snow, so I was able to just wiggle a little bit of space in there. And then I opened the door. Were you panicking, but like air? Like you, you, so, by this stage, you've realised it's like okay, there's there's snow covered around this tent. Like I'm in this small cavity. I've been asleep for so long, breathing, mm. breathing up the oxygen. I knew I had a limited amount. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I knew I had a limited amount of time. And, and but you didn't panic. You started to. No, uh, I I think I was probably scared, but yeah. my survival instinct was much stronger than my fear. So I, I knew exactly what I needed to do to save myself, and that was the priority. So don't get scared. Don't freeze up. Just get everything organized and get out of the tent. Because yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how deep it was. I didn't know how much time I had. I just had to work as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And opened the door of my tent, and the snow just poured in. Uh, I had to dig a hole to the surface of the snow out of my tent. <laughs> it was that deep. So you, you, where did you put the snow? Like just you're filling up the cavity that was once there. Yeah. So, just around me, underneath me. Were you getting scared that you won't make it out before the cavity fills up with snow? Yeah, there was a little bit of panic. Yeah. Wow. Like, how much? I, how I much? Could you... see, I could see the light through the snow, so I, I assumed I wasn't too deep, and it was about a meter and a half above me, to the surface. Oh my. Yeah, it was like a, a wombat hole <laughs> from my tent to the surface of the snow and are I climbed you, out. <laughs> are you claustrophobic at all? No. no. Only in crowds of people, but not in spaces without people. Really? I wonder I wonder how someone with extreme... I, I wonder how I would handle that situation, being stuck like in such a small cavity, being buried alive. You don't have enough time to think about it. You're just getting out of so it. So how long did it take you to, to, to dig a hole, to, to climb up? I have no idea. I lost sense of time. I just scrambled and just worked as fast as I possibly could and pushed my pack up out of the hole and managed to get up using the snow shovel. So I used the snow shovel on top of the snow surface to create a, a wider surface that I could put my weight on. 
and leave her out of the hole and just roll onto the top. And it was all powder, so you'd roll and then sink. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, up around the tent, once I started treading the snow down, it was about, um, it was waist to armpit depth um, in the snow drift. And uh, then I just had to start making my way through the snow in the direction I thought the village was in. So now are you cold? Freezing. So you're freezing. So my, what, what's going hair, through I'm your body? How's your body reacting to this? My fingers and my toes. Um, get but, out of here as quickly as possible. But you've got your bag with the sleeping bag? Yeah. So as you were digging the hole, like coming out, you're like, you're pushing your bag up with you, dig snow around the, yourself and the bag to do this tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then you get out, you're in waist deep to chest deep snow with your backpack. But no snowshoes. No snowshoes. <laughs> that was the hardest part of it. <laughs> oh my god! So and so now your body's starting to react. Yep, it's re- it's reacting to the wind because uh, the wind was about ninety ninety five kilometres an hour, gusting more than that, and it was still blizzarding. So there wasn't much visibility. Um, my uh, that ability to find the direction. Um, naturally, instinctually, uh, instinctively, um, helped me. I was like, okay, I know that the village is here because I've been walking up and down, up and down, up and down here at least once a day. So this is the direction I go to get back to the village. So I just started walking in that direction, stumbling, wading, swimming through the snow. <laughs> Do you think you're in trouble? Like at this stage, are you like a survival mode? Like are you fighting for your life at this stage? Do you reckon? Do you reckon no. you're still you? Your, your core temp's still up enough. Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't think you're in too much trouble yet. Like, you've, you've escaped that one, that being nearly buried alive. You've escaped that, but now you, still, now you feel like you're on top of it. When I left the tent, right. I felt fine. And I, I said to myself, I can do this. I, I, I can do it. It's, I didn't even question that I could do it. And uh, the, the thought that I wouldn't be able to do it didn't cross my mind. I just started walking. And uh, then I stepped into a snowdrift, and it was like, almost up to my head <laughs> in snow. And I was like, how do I get out of this? And just trying to trying to get through the snow that's like this deep with no snowshoes, it was exhausting. And I walked for about a kilometre, and I was completely stuffed. I'd hardly had any sleep. I had already been hypothermic earlier in the night or earlier in the morning. I was so tired really quickly and when I noticed how tired I was getting I started to worry like am I going to make it am I going to make it out of the next hole (sighs) and uh, I was closing in I was about halfway back and I fell into another deep hole and I was like okay it's actually quite warm down here there's no wind I might have a a rest while I'm down here And again, that that. little voice goes, woo, woo, woo. No, no rest. (laughs) It's not warm down here. (laughs) You have to get up. Keep going. (laughs) So you're pretty much right now, you're you're nearly to your point. Stage two hypothermia. Yeah. And I, I knew it. So right now the problem that we're facing here is like you going into this spot where your body actually then starts heating up. You feel you're warm. Then you can just lay down. And be comfortable, but that's when your body shuts down on you. Yep, just before stage three. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It's it's scary. I knew that, and that's when the fear kicked in. 
that's when it was like I've got to get out of here I have to keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving and my brain was starting to panic and I was like okay I have to make it to the first lodge that's all I need to do just knock on the door of that first lodge and someone's going to drag you inside and get you in front of the fire that's all I was focused on I just need to keep stumbling through the snow don't get stuck in too many more holes and just keep moving and then I got stuck in another hole (gasps) and I was like I am going to rest now and I just sat back and leant against the drift I was down in the hole the wind was just roaring up over top of me and I thought for a moment I'll die but that's okay I didn't even think of the consequences except who's going to find me when the snow thaws so you're getting to the point where you're having the realisation that you're not going to make it you're literally now contemplating you're like okay I'm going to die here I can let go now but then (gasps) who's going to find me some poor kid is going to ski across my arm and my red jacket and go there's a person down here that's going to traumatise a kid for the rest of their life no get up keep going (laughs) you're kidding me so you you, okay you yourself have reached your limit for mm. yourself, right? Like what I think is my limit. That's what it. you I'm think done. is your limit. You're done, right? You, you you're ready to die. Oh my god, I got the shivers. So you're ready to die, and so you've kind of you've accepted that, and then suddenly you've realised like you've thought about someone else because once you die, the repercussions and someone else having to find you, and then that's given you this extra strength. Yep. Yeah, I didn't want to traumatise some poor child or well, any, anybody. Do you remember that moment? Me. Do you remember that moment of that realisation of, of finding that extra strength? Yeah, it, was, it felt like responsibility. Did you know that you had that? So you've actually, you've gotten to a point where you didn't know you had any more in you. What was it like finding that you had more like what was that like you okay so you've given up and suddenly you found this other thing that where you have to fight for it where did that come from that extra strength like what was that like to suddenly pull this strength up like i like i've been in a situation where i think i'm done and that's it i'm just done you know what i mean it's just like i can't do anymore it felt like achieving the impossible (laughs) so as in you started moving your legs that you think you couldn't have moved i i had to roll out of the hole and I just lay there going okay next step what's what do I do now I have to get up on my knees get up on my knees and I stink I sink in again like okay roll out get up on your knees climb up on your feet okay stand up move and I was my I was just going through each little minute step process of moving forwards Wow. Just keep moving forwards, just keep moving forwards. And then I spotted a straight edge line through the trees. That's a building. <gasps> that is what gave me hope. That's when I knew that I was going to survive this. So that this was only two kilometres away from the tent. I was only two kilometres away. I had about 300 metres left to walk. This is the scariest thing, right? This is the scariest thing. That, that Okay, so you've seen this place. You're already... you've you already have gone so far beyond your own limit. You're now in this inner strength that you didn't even know you had, right? It's like you can only sustain that for so long, maybe, or whatever. If you get to this hut and no one's there, like, 
You're not going to have anything left. I knew what this building was, and it wasn't a hut. It wasn't a lodge. But it was a building, and it was in phone range. <gasps> and I still had about 20% power left on my phone. Because <laughs> the cold just saps the power out of your phone, and my, my phone was losing power really quickly. I was leaving it on in my pocket just in case I needed to hit emergency. Um, I had a beacon. So you hadn't thought I, you should hit a, emergency nope, earlier? Nope, I had a beacon with me as well. <gasps> Not I, even when you thought you I should didn't do- think to activate the beacon because I was already at that point in hypothermia where it just escaped my mind. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. And, and, and I'm so happy that I can relate to this because I've had hypothermia. And I, I, hypothermia, I don't remember in those moments... I remember I was sitting there and I was just talking all this weird stuff and my mates, I just wasn't making any sense. And to me, I was making sense. And my mates were just looking at me going, we've got to get you to the hospital, man. And I was just walking around in these days thinking life was just, yeah, the stages of it you go through, it's so cold and painful, you can't get warm, you can't get warm. And the next thing you're just like talking this weird stuff. I, just, I was just like, wasn't making sense and everything was just butterflies and brilliant and and that's when the boys took me to hospital. <laughs> but um, that is so scary. I made it to the hut. I know. But you've gotten <laughs> past that point where you literally have an in-reach device, an SAS device, and you, you're that's that far gone in hypothermia. It's hard to bring someone even back from that. You know what I mean? And you're still up on the mountain. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. You made it to the hut. Yeah. It was actually um, it was the National Park. Um, water treatment plant so they have it like a sonar treatment for the water tank which goes down into the lodges and uh, so I made it back to this hut and they keep the doors clear so they actually go up and they um, bobcat the snow away from the doors so it actually builds up to a beautiful big embankment around the hut and I was able to find shelter from the wind and as soon as I I hopped out from the wind, like the wind dropped from 95 kilometers an hour to 45 kilometers an hour behind the shelter. It was still swirling in and around, but not dumping the snow, um, which was quite amazing. And uh, I, I, I dumped on my pack and I pulled my phone out. This is a funny thing. On the door, there is a phone number to call for the national parks in case like there's something wrong with the pump station. And... Uh, I didn't. I, I read that number. I said, "Oh, good. I'm at the National Parks uh, Water Treatment um, Hut." And uh, then I proceeded to pull my phone out and take my gloves off in a blizzard <gasps> to Google search National Parks phone number. <laughs> and in this time, my hands are freezing up and I can't move them. I can barely even see through my eyes. They, like, I, I honestly believe my eyeballs froze over a couple of times out there because I couldn't. Uh, it was all a blur, like a white blur in front of my eyes. I couldn't see at some stages as I was walking through, stumbling through the snow. Uh, so I managed to push in search National Parks Perisher and it came up with a number and I called it. And they must have just arrived at the office because I didn't even look at the time. And uh, they had no one there that could come out. They had to relay the call through to the police. The call... The police then called the National Parks. There are a couple of guys so up there who then? got this. Uh, I said, it's an emergency. I'm at the pump. Uh, I'm at the water treatment plant. Hypothermic. And I just repeated hypothermic. Uh, hypothermic. <laughs> and that's all I could get out. And I was stuttering it all out. Like I yeah. could barely talk. I just 
so long as I understood hypothermic, 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 and then the phone went dead. It, oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did, when he's when they've answered, did did they and you've got hypothermic, hypothermic? What was their response? What was his response? I don't know. That's all I was trying to get the, get out so that I could get the words out before the phone cut off. So, and the like, wind was blowing around as well, so I was just trying to... I was repeating it over and over again. So you so don't know if he it. heard you? You don't know if he was saying something back you just couldn't hear? No, just... I couldn't hear much. They wouldn't have been able to hear much. They, they would have been able to decipher hypothermic. So as you're, you're, you're just pump station, whatever number it was, hypothermic, 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 and then it's literally phone dies and you're just in hope. Hopefully they yeah. got that message. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I walked around. Uh, I, I, I just slumped down onto the ground behind the bank, the embankment and I was like, okay, it's freezing. It's fr- uh, this is where I'm starting to freeze up and shake and fall asleep. So this get is up, the most dangerous walk. part right now. Yeah, waiting right for now. help. Um, so I got up and I started walking. I couldn't feel my feet. They'd gone numb and my hands were aching. At least they were still feeling in them. And so I had them in the, my pits, my armpits and just trying to walk, just trying to keep some blood flow through my feet so I didn't lose, get the uh, frostbite. Get frostbite. And I found a wall, one of the walls around. So what's actually on your feet? Um, two pairs of woolen socks and really big, chunky, insulated boots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so the right stuff. Yes, but you've understood, it, you've understood at this stage that you've got to start moving. Like if you just sit there, you're, you're going to slip. Yeah. You're going to start slipping away with the hypothermia. Yeah. Get up, so you, move. Just move. And so you are you saying this to yourself in, the, in your head, just like, okay, just move, trying to play little tricks, like just, oh, God. It's, uh, now it's, it, it's totally animal instinct coming in now. I'm not thinking straight. Uh, I'm just try, hoping, I'm, I'm hoping that my instinct is to survive at this point. Uh, it has been up until now. And uh, so I'm walking around the walls of the hut that aren't covered in snow. And I find just one little nook in behind uh, the wind. So there was virtually no wind. And I jam my whole body up against the rock wall. And I fall asleep. <gasps> no, don't fall asleep. <laughs> I just fell asleep standing. This is like a movie. I'm picturing this like a movie, and I'm like, you're actually here telling me the story. But I'm like, I'm like, no, if you fall asleep, you're not going to survive. Yeah, I couldn't keep myself awake. You couldn't do it any longer. I, I had to. I had to. I, I had to force myself into the wall. I had to bring my arms up. Um, I had to make a, a, as little of my body uh, surface area exposed to the wind. So I just had to reduce any exposure of my body to the wind. So I was just pushed right up into the rocks. And that's when I fell asleep <gasps> into the rocks, kind of hugging the wall in a fetal position upright. <laughs> at, at, at this stage, do you still have hope? Like, or it's just all gone? You just, it's just past it now? Yeah. It's just exhaustion, just give up? Or in your mind, are you like, sleep, but there's hope someone's going to get When you. the phone went dead, it's like, okay, stick that in my pocket. They're coming for me. So you still... You had this. Always optimistic. (laughs) They're coming. They got the message. They're coming. They'll be here. (laughs) And then I fall asleep. And I woke up. So (laughs) I feel so sorry for the officer who came to get me, the um, parks officer, because it was like someone came and tapped me on the shoulder like that. And I just went, 
right up with my fists ready to start punching them. Oh. And like, ah! and like, because you're in survival mode. It's just yeah. fight or flight so much. <laughs> really, honestly. I was like, who's that? I'm going to punch you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was like, it's okay. <laughs> you're here to save me. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, oh you've gone. Yeah, you're in the primitive mind. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Yeah, just animal instinct. What an experience! Okay. <laughs> so this guy's grabbed you. You've. It, it, it's like, you know, when someone's drowning and you go grab them and they try and pull themselves out of the water and you got to kick them away. Mm. I've had that before, and, and like literally, I've, I've I've had to slap someone before. You know what I mean? To save them. Yeah. You know. Oh. Okay, 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 okay. So you're okay. You're extreme hypothermia. You're lucky you've woken up. Yeah. You're lucky he's woken it's you up. Perfect timing. <laughs> you are so freaking lucky. Well, perfect timing would have been getting off the mountain before the storm yeah, came yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. But in worst case scenario, <laughs> to like, save me from dying yeah. at the last moment, that was perfect timing. It's so optimistic. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect timing. Like I was only about to like die for the fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just I was just literally you'd slipped away. Dude, you're halfway there mm. you had slipped you literally slipped it's like literally for so, to get that far and that slip that is literally that people say they saw the light that's where they see the light you know what I mean I saw a park ranger and I wanted to hit him <laughs> Yeah, you didn't see the light. You nearly punched a park ranger. So, I'm so sorry, mate. Yeah. So, so what's happened? What? Oh, well, they very gently um, helped me, supported me, um, and got me onto the back of a ski doo. And uh, the packs that I had managed to rescue from the tents, they put on the back of the other ski doo. And uh, the lodge that I was trying to get to, Valhalla Lodge, um, was only 200 meters away. Just wait, wait. When you're up, up, up there. And I know you're so hypothermic and everything, and so your mind's like just um, delirious, pretty much. It's delirious is the only it's the word to describe it. But the sleeping bag. Mm. Did you think of all to get that out? No, like about as much as I thought of the beacon. It's just yeah. This is this is what. But I was thinking about my books. I hope huh? my books don't get wet. I was, I was carrying reading books, novels. I hope my books don't get wet. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Silly little things like that. Yeah. It, it's superfluous stuff. It's like, think, th- that's what you think about. It's, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's, yeah. it's quite illogical when you're I at think that point. I kept telling my mate, I think from memory, I, th- I kept telling him to get off the milk. <laughs> I think that was when they like, dude, we're taking you to the hospital. I was like, you got to get off the milk, man. Get off the milk. And I'm like walking around his apartment because... Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, so I was telling the park rangers, "I'm fine, I'm fine. I can do it. I can look after myself. I can walk." I couldn't. Yeah, I can sit on the back of that thing. You don't need to help me. I couldn't. Yeah, got down to the medical centre. Did they put anything around you? No, um, I managed to have enough movement in my hands to just fist up their vest um, in my hands and just lean right into them as they were moving. And then what about like uh, the survival blankets, silver blankets or anything? Do they put anything? No, their priority was just to get me out of the weather and into the medical centre. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Good once God. I was behind them, I was actually quite sheltered, like yeah. just hugging into the park rangers. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to survive this now. At this stage now, is this another wind? Now that they've mm. got you. Now yeah. do you have like another wind? Like it's like, okay, now I've just got to make it down there. That's like, why I kept saying to them, I'm okay, I'm fine. I don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> I can walk. I couldn't. But yeah, my brain was saying, it's okay. I'm all right. 
No problems. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, my God. <laughs> I stumble into – so they helped me. Both of them helped me off the back of the skidoo and into the medical centre. They let go of me and I'm just straight into the wall. <laughs> I can't stand. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> wow. I was still wow. fully conscious and talking. I don't know what I was talking about. But, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the medical center went into action immediately and they did a fantastic job. Dr. Kate, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, so they fussed over me. I had uh, dry clothes in my backpack. They were smelly, dirty, but they were dry. And they put them into their dryer and warmed them up. Um, the stuff that I was wearing was cold and wet. I got out of those, put the dry, warm stuff on. And they then proceeded to dry the other stuff. So I just layered and layered and layered. Um, they made me some hot chai, sweet hot chai. And Dr. Kate had cooked some brownies the night before. So she gave me one of her brownies to get some sugar in. Yeah. Um, so, and just kept on layering on the blankets and more warm, dry layers yeah. until... So is that the way to, to back someone out of hypothermia is get their blood sugar back up and just, just get their core warm? Depending on like, how far in they are. Yeah. yeah. If they reach stage three, they can they 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 can have heart attack. You can bring them back too fast, and they'll go into shock. That's uh, what happened to me. I went into shock in hospital. Mm-hmm. Like I literally, my whole body shook and froze. Actually, if anyone wants to hear this story, um, I think it's episode four. It's called um, "Police Rides in Mexico: Running from Banditos in Peru and 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 Hospital in Korea." Is the episode? <laughs> that's what it's called. But it's the story is is when I oh my god it sounds like a good story I'm so glad I can relate because <laughs> I, it's 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 because I had that experience I know how severe that is like mm-hmm. I, it, it's so severe you know yeah. like that is just freaking crazy and the fact that you're slipping you know like delirious it's like oh my god like that is that that's like nearly it's near it's pretty much certain death like like. Stage three hypothermia, it's so hard to get people back. Mm. I didn't reach that stage. You I was well so into stage two. Lucky. You were yeah. so freaking lucky. The reason, I, I, I say it's because I, um, in January I refreshed my wilderness first aid certificate. And a big component is that, a component of that is hyper and hypothermia. And uh, how to treat it. The signs to recognize and how to treat it. So I had that knowledge. Um, so I understood what was going on. I recognized what was happening to me. So I could save myself. Um, mm. If I didn't have the first aid experience, I wouldn't have recognized those signs and I probably wow. wouldn't have survived. How long did it take you to get well? Uh, I was in the medical center for three hours. Um, they just wanted to make sure that I had blood circulation in my feet. Though My feet were the worst affected. In fact... Um, I have a numb spot. I do have frostbite on my on one of my feet from it. So they just wanted to wait until I, they could get the blood circulation back into the toes yeah. and ensure that I had somewhere warm and dry and people to stay with that night. And then the, because of the conditions outside, they were filling up really fast. So I yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay because <laughs> I'm just that kind of person. Yeah. I, could, I could be half dead, but I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah. I can stand. I can walk. <laughs> I'll just yeah. grab my pack and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they discharged me after three hours and um, I went and sat somewhere very warm and quiet 
and continued to thaw out. The next day I was extremely sick and I think that was a shock. I was, I was about to say, um, how did your body react to this? Like coming out of this, okay, so your adrenal glands have been shot, right? All the energy and everything just to keep surviving, not only, only the stress level on your body. It's like, did that send you into like, 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 in situations, I remember the first, like that traumatic experience in India. I remember when I got out of that, I slept for 16 hours straight just because of the, the adrenaline. You know, when I did the mountains, I was in bed for 10 days and I went across the mountains because my adrenal glands were so shot. You know what I mean? How did that affect your body? Um, I was exhausted. Uh, I, I kind of, I think I went into shock, delayed shock. Um, for a few hours, but I just sat quietly and just looked after myself. Um, so it was still a mental, it was still a mental and physical struggle yeah. after that. Just tried to keep my metabolism up, just grazed on healthy yeah. and bad hot chips and nuts and fruit and stuff like that throughout the yeah. day, um, just to just, just so I was functioning. Yeah, I stayed functioning, and then that night I just dropped. I was asleep. I probably slept for about 10 hours, yeah. uh, not 10 days. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but the next day I was extremely sick. I was yeah. violently sick yeah. from the shock, from the whole, my, my body, the stress reaction to like everything flu going flu or as in throwing up? Throwing up. Yeah. 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 yeah it was pretty bad. Um, and yeah, that was from the previous day. My body just was responded to the stress in that way. Do you know why the body does that? I don't know. Yeah. It lets its guard down and goes, okay, you can be sick yeah. now. And, this, and, somewhere safe. and what's so scary about this too is the immune system. Like, it's so, okay, so even this, and, and this is a good learning curve for me. It's like, okay, you've shot your body so much, and so you, you're going to be sick and you're going to be fatigued, and you're, you're going to have to come back from it. You know, you're going to have to get healthy. But it's just like, then the other thing is like being around people, your immune system is so shot. You know what I mean? It doesn't have the energy to fight off bacteria. This is, and so you end up being really vulnerable and can get sick just from that. I was lucky it only lasted for one day. And then I was back on top of it the next day. I bounced, bounced back pretty quick. And then three days later, I was out taking another snowshoe tour. Did you get your stuff back? Did the snow melt a little bit? Or did you go dig it out? Uh, I did. I went up. Um, two days later, the storm was passed. I felt I, I had enough strength. Um, so I went up. Uh, on my own uh, with a snow shovel. I, I put the call out for anyone to come and join me. No one came and joined me. And I managed to dig down to the tent, which was one and a half metres down, and then down to the bottom of the tent. And I got the top part of the tent out uh, from the, like, I got the snow off the top part of the tent. And it was a pretty massive effort just to get down to there on my own. And I was stuffed. I was probably still very tired from the whole event. Um, and uh, okay, that's it. I can't do any more. I'll come back and hopefully someone can help me. And uh, but SES were up there and doing some exercises, so I asked them, Would you like a, another training exercise? <laughs> I've got a tent, and so there were six guys and myself all went up there and dug the tent out. <laughs> it was damaged. Um, it the tent, all the poles collapsed after I climbed out, so it would have been my body pressure. The, the weight of my body on top of the snow on top of the tent that finally snapped it after I climbed out of it so they couldn't really use the tent again it was pretty badly damaged yeah but um, everything that was in and under the tent we were able to retrieve 
So, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And here we are promoting adventurous lifestyles. <laughs> god. No, Stay at home. No, 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 god. no. You, you you listen to stories like this and you go, "Okay, so oh I'm going god. to listen to the weather report. I'm going to listen to my friends. I'm going to get off the mountain so I'm not exposed to these kinds of conditions." Yeah. Um, I'm going to go and get a wilderness first aid certificate so that I recognize what's going on. Um, so there's so many lessons that you can learn from other people's mistakes yeah, and, 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 and experiences that's, <laughs> and that's the whole reason why you tell this story mm. you know like for I'm, one, not, you're, you're I'm gonna... not proud of it uh, it was very embarrassing i was ashamed that i'd actually been caught out like that yeah with all my experience in the mountains uh, yeah i yeah man i can't relate to that i was talking about this before the podcast about like sharing your mistakes you know what i mean I, and, and i share my mistakes but it's like the same thing it's like you know you're embarrassed because you cooked it so hard you know what I mean? I got hypothermia because I went snowboarding. I'd never been to the snow, never been never been to anything colder than like five degrees. And I went to minus 18 degrees. Was it minus 18 or minus 13? I can't remember. In Korea and went snowboarding with jeans on and a white jacket. Because <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh I was 24. Goodness. I was 24 or 25 and just was like, I've got this. I can fucking do anything, man. It'll be right. So I'm only going to be out there for a couple of hours. And I ended up in the hospital, man. It was so... It was bad. Yeah. But it, it was a learning curve. But, like, I tell a pe- story and people are like, you are so stupid. That is the stupidest thing ever. But at the time, it's like, okay, at the time, and, like, you, you're constantly learning. At the time, being a 24 or 25-year-old at the time, you know, like, I was so experienced in so many other avenues in my life. And I, like, really calculated those risks. This was just a na- such a naive thing, you know? Other people, though, listen to that story and they may not have ever known that they can't ski in jeans and they will hear your story you and, and, and learn that they can't ski in jeans. Well, I knew you couldn't. I just didn't have anything else. <laughs> it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, I knew you couldn't. Well, then you're stupid. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, God. But, I, like, I, I was. Like, I was just so naive. And what, when you're that age, too, you just feel like you can, you're can. you just invincible. Yeah. You know, it's just like because, because your skill level has gotten you so far. Like, I was talking about this the other day. It's like my skill level has gotten me so far in all these situations. So why wouldn't it get me through that? Like, I, I always, like, I know for me, and this is probably a stupid thing as well, but it's just like when the going gets tough, like, I know I've always been able to push myself like two extremes to be able to get through it you know what i mean to the point where i even like to do that you know so it's like sometimes when i'm like oh i'll do this and then i'm like oh when i get stuck in this then i've got to try figure it out and get okay i was driving right now we've got all these fires i've been a oh, this is devastating because i've been away for a month i've been wondering what anything. your place is like yeah it's it's safe which is, which is lucky at crescent head but i didn't know anything for a month because i was over because I was sailing, and then I flew into Sydney, and there's just smoke everywhere. That's why our flight was actually cancelled in in New Zealand originally. You would have seen that smoke on the horizon sailing into New Zealand. No. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Nah. But it was um. But I drive up from from Sydney, and there's just it's just devastation. And I, it was so sad. You know, there's we I go through Yamba, and it's literally night time. It's day. It's the middle of the day, and it's so hot, and it's night time with smoke. Down the beach, there's ash everywhere down the beach, like this come from the tide. And I just can't get over the devastation. 
Now I'm driving through, there's a big, big fire south of um, Byron, south of Ballina and Woodburn, just south of Woodburn. And it's got a huge smoke cloud and, and like, like a bomb's going off, you know, this, this smoke cloud. And I'm driving along the side of the road, I'm just looking at these flames, you know, it's just, it's just a light. And then I see this spot where it hasn't burned out yet. And I thought to myself, fuck, I want to run in there and then just figure, it my, figure out how to get out of there. You know what I mean? Now, this is a stupid idea. And I know that, so I'm not going to do that, right? Calculated risk. I know that that's just stupid and I'm not going to do it. But then I was wondering, I was like, why did I want to do that? You know what I mean? I had just had this feeling. like, wow, that would be so hard to do. Like, that would be so extreme. I'd have no idea. It would be way out of my comfort zone. That would just be freaky. And I'm like, oh. And I was like looking at it going, hmm. And I started thinking like, got shoes in the back blah blah rubber that you know then you're going to be running across the rubber's going to melt melt into your feet like god you know like and i started thinking about like how you'd do it like when you're in that situation how you would survive that and then i and it was like exciting me and i'm like god man my poor mom (laughs) does she listen to your stories yeah she does she does but it's it's not that it's like okay yeah i'm not going to do that because obviously it's stupid but it's just like i wanted to and that for me, even having that thought of just like, I'm contemplating still why I had that thought. You know what I mean? But I, the, the thing, like when I was 24 or 25, I hadn't learned enough yet. Now I really understand the risk. And it's actually friends of mine and people that are doing trips with me now, they they think that I'm a bit blasé about things till it actually comes down. And, I, and it's kind of cool because like I act like, you know, life's just whatever's happening. It's all cool, blah, blah. But when it actually comes down, I'm actually quite proud of like how serious I do take things. You know what I mean? I do like that. I, I like that because for me, it's a calculated risk. It's like when there's nothing to worry about, there's nothing to worry about. We've got it managed because you're managing it. So it's okay. So enjoy it, have fun. But actually now suddenly we're in a, we're in a situation here. We need to manage this, you know? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we had a situation at Minerva Reef where my mate dove by him. So we, two, two people went to dive. One with uh, scuba tanks and one, one set up broke. And, so, and, and you shouldn't do this, but... Um, my mate was like, oh, I'm just going to die by myself. I'm going to go to about 40 meters. I'm going to tie a float line to it. We decided we're going to tie a float line. We're going to manage the float. We're going to have someone in the water eyeballing him. But then the water got too cold. My friend got out of the water that was eyeballing him. She's like, oh, we can see the float. You know, and he was going to tug on the float if he needed anything. And I was like, no, this is wrong. Like, and everyone's like, no, he's fine. He's, he dives all the time. But for me, straight up. And they didn't get it because I'm always like, oh, cool. I was like, no, this is no, no. Like someone's diving right now. We need to have eyes on it, on them because that's what I ex- expect. You know what I mean? When I'm diving, when I'm spearing, I'm expecting my partner to be watching my eyes when I come up, watching everything and have that. It's not blase. Like, I, yeah, I have it. I haven't, I haven't blacked out. I haven't had a shallow water blackout yet. It doesn't mean I'm not going to. You know what I mean? I need that person there. And it's like you have to calculate that you're going to be so. And so I start going into suddenly like, um, no, someone's got to be watching him. And then I'm watching the float and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, before the last we saw him was swimming that way. Current's going that way and same with the float. I'm like, he's not on that float. You know what I mean? We tied two lines to that float. He had 50 metres of rope or 60 metres of rope. He's down at 40 metres. I'm like, that rope's going. He's not on that rope. And I go and we go over in the dinghy and grab the rope and he's not connected to it. My mates tied a knot. He didn't hook it, hook the knot on the clip properly. Oh. 
and it's taken off and so he's thought he's down on the bottom he's like oh, i'll be right like you know and now i've, I've suddenly gone to my friends like no this is and they're like no he's serious he it's fine he dives all the time i'm like no it is we're in the open ocean here there's a big channel right there is anything can happen he loses air or anything all comes up we don't see him in time he can't get our attention he's swept out you know what i mean how how long can he sustain this is a big sweep like where the reef is it goes straight out to open sea we're around the middle of the ocean here at this atoll and I'm like, we need to start finding him. And we need, we, so we start scanning. I was like, we've got to find him. Like, this is serious. And so I'm like, we've got to scan the, the drop off, the reef edge, go along in the dinghy. Someone put their head over and let's look for him, look for bubbles because it's choppy. We can't see the bubbles on the top. And my friends are like, it's okay. He dives all the time. It's fine. But I was like, for me, I was like, this is no, no, like, no way. I am not comfortable with this situation. This is serious. Like, for me, it's like, for me, it's I. For me, it's like living in hope, and I don't think you should live in hope. I think you should have plan A, B, and C. And when you're on plan A, just have a good time. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Because you got your backups. You know what I mean? So it's like that. that people kind of think I'm blasé, so then it's all okay. But I'm actually, I like that. I actually, because I've calculated it. And we end up not being able to find him. And then he pops up, and luckily he he waves his spear, and he's out in the middle of the channel. And we go over and he scream, going, quick, get me. There's a tiger shark. Um, circle me, blah, blah. We go get him. We pull him in. And my friends are like, see, he's fine. Nothing to worry about. And I, and I just said to my mate, I was like, dude, that is not cool. That was not cool. And he's like, yeah, I know. We shouldn't have done that. And, and he was like, yeah. And he kind of understood the risk. And, yeah, for me, it was a big learning curve. Like, it's, you don't look at someone, even though they do it 100 times, it's like, you need to, you know what I mean? You still need to manage it. It's like, you're in the mountains. You understand you're taking guy like a, a group through just because you do it every day and there's no problem you're still going to be assessing avalanches you know what i mean mm -hmm. you're still going to be assessing every situation all and day managing every day you are you know? assessing risk yeah. yeah and it's not like oh well that's never really happened before over there but you know the ingredients is there for it to happen so but it won't because it hasn't it's like still need to manage that mm -hmm. you know and yeah. the more the, the more experience you have in like in the mountains or on the ocean, yeah. the more you understand how to assess um, most effectively assess the risks, yeah, uh, and take action uh, to prevent them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when you're in the mountains, especially, it's supposed to be a you know you, you, at the beginning of the day you assess the risks. If you're out with other people, you, you do that together. You assess each other. You, you assess yourself. Yeah. What condition are you in? Are you, can, can you do that? Yeah. What, what's the, the weather? What's the yeah. forecast? What and are the, the snow conditions and the terrain? There yeah. are a lot of things to, to weigh up. And then you make the smartest, safest decision according to those. And it becomes a habit. And the, Exactly. And, the, and the, the biggest thing here that I could give advice to people is like, don't bring your ego into it. Mm -hmm. Like by saying like, no, it's okay because I've done it all the time. Or he's okay because he's done it all the time. No, get rid of that. Get the ego out. Let's manage it. Let's like got to got to have each other's back. And what what really scared me in that situation was like, what scared me in that situation was like, well, what what if that was me as the diver? You know what I mean? That's what scared me the most. I was like, now I'm down here, safety sharks around. We've got limited air. I'm in the middle of the ocean. No one's got their eyes on me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like right for me, it's like okay, that's a fail. Someone else could be making those calls. You know for you. Yeah, yeah. You know. And it's just like everything, mountains, everything. It's like, okay, calculate your risk. There's all dangers out there and, and you've got to manage that. And once you do that, then you just have as much fun as possible. You, you know? prepare. Yeah, because you're prepared. Yep. Yeah, but I, I'm still learning, man. I learned, 
I'm learning so much because you're constantly making mistakes and trial and error. And, the, and um, Jeff Wilson, um, the Arctic Explorer, said to me, um, the best way is to learn off other people's mistakes. So like when you're going into an adventure, find people that have done it and find what worked for them, what didn't. You know what I mean? Find all the mistakes that everyone made, you know, and learn off them because people have made those mistakes. You are doing this right now. Mm-hmm. You're literally sharing your mistake right now so other people don't make that mistake. I don't hide my mistakes in shame. I let people know what happened so they can learn from them. Well, we're human, man. Like, we're literally just human. And it's like, I'm not going to be on my ball all the time. I hardly ever am. You it's the best I mean? way to learn I lessons. So, someone else <laughs> makes a mistake, you learn from their lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and even the most experienced people make mistakes. Yeah. So what's your um okay, so what's your next adventure? Well, the next adventure is writing a book. How exciting is that? <laughs> it actually is because you mentioned that in the last podcast with us and I told you today that I've had heaps of comments and I've had a few people ask me, say I can't wait for, well, not us, tell me that I can't wait for your book to come out. <laughs> so what's the, what's the book going to be on? Like what, like you're going to start writing, you told me like next week um, or this week? I'm already writing. I've been writing for the last year just on and off in between yeah. adventures. So I've been adventuring more than writing. Uh, so I am putting together a collection of short adventure stories. Uh, quite a long collection, actually. <laughs> and these are adventures around the world, around Australia, trekking, volunteering, working on ships. Um, adventures that you've done? Yeah, my own adventures. So it's your, it's your adventure diary? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, so just little short adventures, just little snippets and pieces of yeah. the last 30 years. And uh, anecdotes and recipes and... Why your mum won't stop worrying about you when you're out adventuring. Yeah. Um, and uh, also the book around book of walking around Australia. Brilliant. I, I do a bit of mentoring now. Uh, quite a few people, at least once a week, will call me or email me and ask if they can talk about a long walk they're planning. Sure, of course. And I will answer any questions they have if I can. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, it, it kind of inspired me to write the book of walking around Australia as an instructional instructional manual to walking around a continent. What a, what a <laughs> and, great and putting, idea! Putting the whole tale into that story, into yeah. that manual. Because obviously, if people are calling you for that information, obviously it's just like, well, it's being efficient now. You can just put all the information there and be like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you want a mentoring session? Well, first of all, you got to buy the book. <laughs> yeah, buy the book, and you'll know everything. <laughs> Oh, that's so brilliant. Like, I'd, I'd love to read that. So you have a website, Terra? TerraRomes.Earth. Dot .Earth. And I love it. And, and, and go back and listen to the last podcast because everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. It's called Walking Around Australia with Terra Rome. I enjoyed doing it too. Oh, we had so much fun. <laughs> we had so much fun. But in that, it, t- it talks about how you change your last name to Rome's. Mm-hmm. through a very traumatic experience that you had to change your, your name. And then you've started your website, terrorrooms.earth. Yeah, and, and what's on that website right now? Oh, just a little bit of a bio. Um, adventures that have been happening and things that I have yeah. planned. There's, just a, there's a link that goes to the expedition website as well. So that's the next huge adventure. I'm leading an expedition across the mountains next winter. Right. So and so people can book to do that with you or like how 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 is that expedition working? Are you just it's, inviting people to do it? Uh the core team is all female yeah. and we invite people who align with our cause which is uh climate action, 
It's our action against the climate crisis. Uh, so uh, there are four or five women. We're walking together across the mountains, snowshoeing some of it. Most of it will be below the snow line, unfortunately. <laughs> Mountaineers, backcountry, skiers, snowshoers, uh, people in the local communities, scouts, schools, they're all invited to come and join us as we walk through their area. And about 800 kilometres we'll be visiting wow. eight resorts and attempting 38 peaks wow. um, along the way. We'll be achieving a few firsts if we're successful as well. So it's, it's going to be just as much a challenge. It's going to be, oh, my God. Do you, everyone's going to grow so much mm-hmm. by doing that and doing that as, an, as a group. You're going to learn so much. What an adventure. Oh, it's going to be huge. Yeah. So is there, is there still spaces? Can other people do it? Can yeah, get, definitely. So, so people can yeah. do this with you. Yeah. I, I've, I've just been touring um, Victoria, New South Wales and ACT and viewing a few women uh, mm. for, for a film I'm putting together. But also these, some of these women are going to join the expedition yeah, as well. You've been so busy. You do, it's, and I love seeing it because, because you do inspirational speeches, you do mentor, you do, you've been doing lots of podcasts, film. Like, oh man, there's some people I need to introduce <laughs> you to. There are some because and I, what I love about it too is you're inspiring women, you know. Like you're amazing, Tara. Like everything you do has been so amazing, you know. Thank you. Yeah, it's just no, it's just really cool to see, you know. Like it's, yeah. There are a lot of amazing women. There are a lot of amazing people out there. Very inspiring adventurers, and just the way people live their lives. Um, other ways, uh, role models, examples of other ways to live your life. Yeah. Well, all you're doing is. I said this the other day, I was like, it's like, you can, everyone is giving you something, right, by being them. And so, like, you can see traits in other people that you would like to have in yourself. And so you can learn from them. You know what I mean? It's like your path in life is like to grow as yourself and to be who you want to be. It's like, you can be anyone you want to be. You know what I mean? Like, I've got a few friends of mine and I just, I love how they do life. And they inspire me. And so I start, you know, I take a little bit of, from this person, I take a little bit from that person. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you're showing a different way, you know, and you're showing people, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. You know, if you want to go adventure, you want to go hike, you want to go walk. It's just like, you can do that. You want to go in nature. It's like, you can do that. And how do you find, I think I asked you this is the last podcast, but how do you find being a woman? A, lot, a girl said to me the other day, she goes, I want to, I want to drive around Australia. Um, I'd love to do that. And she, she said she wanted, wants to drive around Australia. I said, why don't you do it over two or three years and work along the way? And she's like, oh, just, you know, I'm a woman and like by myself and sleep in the car. And I said, I said, well, like a lot of my friends have done that and, and they've found a way to do it and they've felt safe and they're fine. Like, you know, like why is that perception that you can't do it as a, as a woman? What, what would you say to her? You know oh, I mean? out there, you're much safer than in the cities. Um, the people out there, the people you're meeting as you're traveling, they're other travelers. They're not out there looking for trouble. Um, and they will look after you. Yeah. Uh, your tribe is out there traveling around Australia as well. And uh, yeah. everyone looks out for each other. And uh, be sensible and smart yeah. with your decisions and uh, listen to your gut instinct. Yeah, yeah, that's a massive one. But don't, not just... do not let your fear stop you from going out and doing things. Challenge that fear. Face it head on. Let the fear motivate you, mm. you know? It's like, and, and not just Australia, the world, you know? Drive through Mexico. 
You can do that. It's safe, man. Just don't do it at night because then it's not safe. You know? <laughs> it's just like you calculate that. You're like, oh, you can do that and you'll be fine. Everyone does and they're fine. But then it's like known to not go at night. Hmm. You know? It's just, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, and I'm sure we have. I'm saying hopefully, but I know we have. I know this conversation right now. People listen to it and they're inspired. But I'm also hoping that people listen to this and understand like I, my adrenaline was so high before it was ridiculous. I just had so much fun in this last hour, hour and a half. Actually, of just been on the edge of my seat, dude. I was biting my fingers just before. That's that <laughs> yeah. story was amazing. And you know what I like about you? That's like I've only heard a couple of your stories now, and I know you have so much more. <laughs> That's but, what I like about you as well. <laughs> I, I hardly hear any of your stories. Like you've just been on the ocean for the last four weeks, and I haven't heard anything about it yet. <laughs> dude, we got attacked by a shark. Man, it was man. oh man, dude. Yeah, there's a there's a story coming out soon. Um, I don't know if it'll come out before this one or after, but yeah, you know, we got attacked by a sh- by, sh- by a shark, man. That's like bad. proper attack, we're punching it. Man, I was stabbing it. It had like eight big cuts in it from Aww. us stabbing it. Like it just kept trying to eat us. <laughs> it just wanted to eat us. Poor thing. Yeah. I'm not. I don't hold it against the shark. <laughs> He's a shark. I just had to punch it. A lot of times. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, lo- I love when we meet up. So why don't we do this again? Definitely. Let's do it again. Yep. Now, all these stories that you have, they're coming out in a book, terrarooms.earth. Um, there's so many exciting things. So, like, watch that space. And then you've got terrarooms on Instagram. Terrarooms on Instagram and on Facebook. And on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I really like how, like, you're getting on the platforms and um, you're doing your things and showing and showing what you're doing because it's just another way of networking, another way of um, just inspiring and showing because you are so inspiring. Yeah, I, I genuinely, genuinely live the life. I'm not an influencer, but the people who connect with me on social media, they connect organically actually, yeah. and I get a lot of feedback and you get, we chat. Yeah, you get a lot of feedback. And I actually noticed with, um, you, you're actually really well known actually in the adventure in the adventure world like a lot of people a sponsors listening to this yeah. all the sponsors you're really, she's wow you're extremely oh, well come, known. everyone knows come you come falling man. over each other <laughs> i've got an expedition coming up <laughs> no, no, just, I, I, one thing i realized about you is that people um that you inspire genuinely know you you know what i mean they like there's other adventures around out there and they they know you you know what i mean they know what you're doing you know, so it it's, it's, yeah, well, you're authentic for one. And so then the, the people that are following you and into and engaging with you are authentic, you know? So you like, you have the people you're engaging with are real or that are engaging with you are real. That's one thing that I noticed about um, putting the podcast out there. Um, when I put the podcast out, people that were your followers coming through and like listening, I, I had so many listeners from your, from your network you know and I was like well this is like they're so engaging that's great you know what I mean and the reason why is because they are adventurers you know what I mean they're fantastic people my supporters my followers yeah, yeah. my followers my people <laughs> well the thing is that we're in this community it's our my tribe friends, yeah. yeah it's our tribe it's all our you know and, and, and the thing is when you're out doing what you want to do people support you mm. you know the people that are your tribe support you and you support them you know so you inspire them they inspire you you know, they're allowing you to be yourself. You're allowing them to be themselves because you're creating a space. You're showing yourself. You're like, hey, I'm me. I'm out here going to do what I want to do. And you're showing people going, hey, 
she's being herself and doing what she wants to do. Hey, I can do that. You know? She's, and, and they're seeing you as safe because you're not hiding anything. You're just out there being you. And I, yeah, I, I, I feel really comfortable about, around you because I know you're just like me. You know what I mean? Like, I know, like, this, even today, we're doing this podcast in the back of my troop carrier. My four-wheel drive troop carrier, it is very nice. It's a nice couch in the back of here and everything. Very comfy couch. Yeah, but I know that you're fine with that. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, I, I know it's fine for me to be like, hey, let's just do it in the back of the troopy, man, you know? It's just like, you're comfortable. It's all, you know, I'm comfortable. You know, I, we were, until the weather changed today, we we're going to go hike out to a tea tree lake yeah. and do it on the bank of the we'll tea tree lake. We'll do that next lake. time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's amazing. We just go sit and, I, and just go sit in the bush and just have a conversation. You mm. know what I mean? And that's exactly, I, I got so happy when you said that to me because I was like, oh. It's exactly what I'd want to do. Yeah, podcast and adventure. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you're adding an, an experience to it. And it's like that's how this podcast for me is getting something from it. You know what I mean? It's like that's why I do it. It's like you get this whole adventure and experience around it, you know? It's amazing. Whole heap of people are walking past watching us interview. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, dude. Thank, thank you, you so much. It was no, fantastic thank you. chatting thank you. again. And people are going to like this one just as much as they like the last. Actually, they're going to like this. This is insane. This is a different story to your last because this is just freaking... You survived, man. I'm so stoked you survived that. This is me just going, I was stupid, but please learn that lesson and don't repeat it. Yeah, and, and be on the edge of your seat while you listen and learn. Yes. <laughs> listen and learn. I hope they enjoyed the story. <laughs> oh, guys, thanks and... Thanks so much, Tara. Until next time. So if you like this episode, please feel free to share it and leave a rating. And if you have or know of anyone with a wild story, please get in contact with me through my Instagram, Aaron underscore Shanks, or the website, diariesofthewildones.com, because I'd love to sit down over a beer or a coffee and hear it. I do it like a double.